All right. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. This is another episode of the NLE Show. And I've actually been looking forward to this episode for months now uh, because we've got somebody that I just love, love, love on. Uh, the amazing Ida Rodriguez. She is a comedian, political commentator on TYT, and now she is the host of her own show called Truth Serum. Ida, welcome. All right. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. This is another episode. Of Every time I start streaming, I hear myself on YouTube and I forget to mute the little tab. My bad. Go ahead, Ida. <laughs> I was just saying hi, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on, especially right now. It's crazy with the holidays and everything going on, so I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, so just to let you guys know, we're going to do an interview in English, and then we're going to switch over to Spanish for Spanish speakers, uh, which I'm really excited about. So, um, Ida, the first thing I want to talk about is kind of how you journeyed from comedy to truth serum, because that's been quite a journey. So you and I met briefly when I worked on Jenk Uger's congressional campaign. And I remember telling you, you're like a tall version of all my feelings. Because <laughs> nice. I'm five foot tall and you're a tall woman, you know? But I love, I love everything about you. Mostly though, my favorite thing about you is how honest you are and yeah. how you don't necessarily care if what you're saying might make somebody uncomfortable because it might be an uncomfortable truth that they need to hear. So what was that journey going from comedy to politics? How did that happen? Honestly, um, I just think I've always had, um, I've always been um, activated in my community and I've always cared about what's happening where I am. Um, I come from a very marginalized community and at a very young age, I've always, I always decided that I wanted to be part of the solution. So I was always involved in my community. And I just think it's been more of me growing in it and evolving, but it's always been there. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, because even before I ever realized that I was interested in politics, political comedians drew my attention. Mm -hmm. And so I remember like way back in the day, I watched The Daily Show for the first time with Jon Stewart. And he just had a way of making it funny, but still where you got the point of the story and you somehow cared. And then like my favorite comedian of all time is George Carlin. Oh, so yeah. he also, yeah, he threw in a lot of observation on a lot. So it's just something that I think some people are naturally drawn to, you know, and especially I think about how I used to think, for example, in 2016 versus now, and it's completely different. I, you know, I left the Democratic Party this year <laughs> and I became an independent because I was like, my God, I can't anymore. And I just think about all the changes that I've been through. And the thing about knowledge is once you know a little bit, it's kind of addicting. So you want to know more and more. And you're like, wait, this guy's doing that and that guy's doing this. Like, how are these people not in jail yet <laughs> is a question I ask myself all the time. So, um, uh, your background. So tell me about your family. You're obviously an Afro-Latina. Were you born here? Were you born in a different country? Where are your parents from? Tell us a little bit about your history. So I was born in Boston. Um, and it's so funny because we've been talking about this uh, term Afro-Latino and uh, I was informed by a friend of mine that a bunch of people get really triggered when I call myself Afro-Latina. They don't feel like I should call myself Afro-Latina because I'm not dark enough. Um, because now even blackness is being 
um, you know, it, even the division amongst Black people within within the Latino spectrum, because in, a, in the Black American, um, you know, spectrum, uh, you don't hear Whoopi Goldberg telling Halle Berry that she's not Black. So it's it's it's, right. it's very spe specific to Latinidad because I think that within our own identities, we're still trying to figure out a lot of things because there are so many dynamics within us. We're far from a monolith. Um, but I grew up, in, I, w I was born in Boston. I grew up in Miami, Florida. Um, my mother's from Puerto Rico and my father is Dominican. My biological father is Dominican. And my stepfather who raised me is Cuban. So um, I grew up between Miami and New York. I, um, and I didn't live in New York for a very long time because I was taken. Um, my mom took me from, my grandmother took me from my mom. But um, I, I went back when I was in, in uh, college, you know, early 20s. And I, I, I go back now, it's, it's like my second home. I consider myself bicoastal. Um, but, you know, I, I primarily grew up in Miami, Florida. Yeah. I think that's interesting what you're saying about some people deciding like whether you're dark enough or whether you're, it's just weird. It's like a weird level of colorism. Like for me, I was born in Cuba. And so, you know, but like, I remember um, I used to work um, with like have some Mexican coworkers and they would call me Guerita. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm not white dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but it's interesting. It just, it really depends on what group you're hanging out with. And that group in a way determines how they see you, you know? So it's, it's almost like a constant battle of like, like I'll never be white enough for the white people, but then some Latin people that are darker than me look at me and go, oh, you're, and it's like, dude, just stop. <laughs> like, I'm just me, you know? So the, the white passing label now is, is here. There are some people who will push back on that and they'll say you're either white or you're not. And I think that is just very interesting when we have these conversations, because the truth is that it's not uh, either you're white or you're not. Because when you are white and you are um, from Mexico or you're from Cuba or you're from um, Panama, even if you are treated better on the color spectrum because of your the Eurocentric washing, mind washing that we have, you're still looked upon by Anglo-Saxon Anglo white people. And, and that is okay to say too. It, two things can be true at the same time that you may ex experience certain privileges and someone darker than you. And at the same time, there's someone right around the corner to make sure they put you in your place and remind you that you are not, you know, that kind of white or, you know what I'm saying? So I think it's, you know, I, um, I used to get really bothered by it and I was also very triggered by it. And I, um, but I made, I made a decision um, that I wasn't going to allow myself to be uh, baited into conversations with people who are, um, you know, operating from anything other than really wanting progress for the people. And so I don't have those conversations because we can see it clearly. I have other people who tell me like, you know, these people are just in it because they're trying to get clout. They want to get, you know, they, they're trying to get followers. They want to gain popularity. They want to work. They want to be known. And they really don't give a fuck about what we're talking about. So I, I've just learned to just say my piece and keep it moving. And I honestly believe that um, those of us who are working for progress uh, usually find each other and we're making our own progress and we're moving. And so those people don't matter. 
Yeah, I agree. And I've always thought that's such, so I grew up with my mom and like previous generations being so concerned about what you look like. And I, that's just weird for me, right? Like I never understood that. And for the longest time, she'd be like, no, you know, it's like that color is like what you're talking about. Like if you're lighter, it's better. And it's like, my cousin's darker than me. And she, that doesn't make her like less good than me or anything. And it was just such an obsession. But the funny thing is now my mom is 50 and like, she met this dude in India and she says she's going to marry him. Don't ask me like, but, but now she's totally flipped. Now she's like, you know, I think we might have some African roots. And I'm like, mom, it's just like you, you're, she's trying so hard always to fit into some bubble that she's told is the bubble she's supposed to be in. And I'm like, just be yourself, just be yourself, you know? And one of the things that I agree with the most that you've talked about often is there's sometimes this mindset in the Latino community that we should not necessarily be concerned about what's going on in the black community because that's not our problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that is um, an extremely dangerous way of thinking, not only because it absolutely is our problem, but because I feel like, and, and I say this because I lived in another country first, but I've noticed that here, the culture is very like extremely individualistic you don't have that same sense of community that you have in other other cultures. And I feel like when Latinos get here, maybe they're so desperate to just fit in and just, you know, not ruffle any feathers that sometimes we don't speak up for those that we should speak up for. And I think it's time to unify, you know, because this affects all of us. And I know that you've talked a lot about um, all minority communities unifying not to attack or hurt the white community, but just to give us equality, right? So what do you think about that? Well, I mean, for, first and foremost, when we say Black Lives Matter, we're talking about Latino lives too, because there are Latinos who are Black. So, um, you know, when we separate ourselves from Black Lives Matter, we erase the Blackness within our own community, and that's a very big problem for us. Um, I do believe in the unity of people of color, Black people in this country, because I think that um, the, the injustices have been going on for so long, and they're so deep, and they've been so disabling to us and our communities that we need, in order to, for us to fight for proper equity, and, and, and all the communities have their individual needs, but I think that collectively we have more power. And, um, and you know, we can, we can sort those things out, but we need to, you know, flip the script. Um, and I just think it's important for Latinos to acknowledge that um, we have very anti-Black practices within our community. We've been indoctrinated um, into believing that white is better um, as they've done with everyone around the world. And we have to be honest about that and we have to be accountable for how we treat our own Black people within our own communities. And, you know, to say Black Lives Matter, which has been, uh, have been, it's been politicized so much now. Um, and it's really disheartening to hear people, you know, call it a communist organization, the ignorance of the people yeah. that you hear. And it's just, it's an ideology that should be it should just be status quo. We shouldn't have to even have to say it, but the fact that saying it is problematic 
is very indicative of the anti-blackness and we need to talk about it and we need to deconstruct it because black people have showed they show up um and in during civil rights movement they fought for us too and um the black ones and the white ones alike and so they built the country you know free they did a lot of labor for years and years upon years and then we sit here and we have these conversations and we have to deliberate whether we think that Tamir Rice's life matters. And that's not okay. Because when Elian uh, Gonzalez came here, Elian came from Cuba, yeah. his life mattered. You know, when those babies in those cages that came from Central America, we wanted people to say that their lives mattered. So, so did Trayvon Martins. And so we, we can't demand or ask or beg anyone to care about our situation when we don't employ empathy for other communities. And it's very important for us to be honest about that. Yeah, and I think like, that's really the word that everybody needs is solidarity. Because mm -hmm. one of the things I've had Chris, uh, do you, you know Chris Smalls? Mm -hmm. Shut down Amazon, yeah, he's amazing. Um, so I've had him on a couple of times and we've talked about this, that it's, What's happening is on purpose. The government purposefully puts us against each other. And so they'll look at a group of people, it doesn't matter what group, and they'll say, all of your problems are because of this other group. Right. Instead of telling them the truth, which is that all of their problems are because our government doesn't work for us, it works for corporations and billionaires because they're corrupt criminals that are literally stealing our tax dollars. Like I was just talking about how I have a friend in Cal City and he just got a letter in the mail saying, oh, by the way, you can't drink your water. You got to boil it. Otherwise, it's not safe. And the first thought that came to my head is, where the fuck are my taxes going? Yeah. Where, like, how is it possible that we have the largest military budget in the world, but we can't even provide our people clean water? It's like something is really, really wrong with this picture. And saying that is not a communist thing. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's not a socialist thing. It's just a common sense thing. And... Like one of the other things I wanted to ask you about, because you are a comedian and this is something that I'm so tired of attempted censorship and cancel culture and like, because cancel culture was supposed to mean something originally. It was originally about actually holding to account people that hurt others, that, you know, were actually doing bad things. And now it's just become, I don't like this or I'm offended by this. Therefore, nobody else should be able to listen to it. And it just feels like every time I turn around, every five minutes, there's somebody, there's backlash against another comedian or actress over like, and it's like, he made a joke. That's literally his fucking job. So I'm so tired of cancel culture. What are your thoughts on it as a comedian? Well, I think that there shouldn't have to be a term um, to stipulate um, that what you're saying is hurtful and detrimental to a group of people or, you know, um, I am, I don't subscribe to it. Um, I mean, I think they've attempted to cancel me before. I don't really give a fuck because I really feel like a lot of the people who, like I said earlier, are outraged by something that I would say is because they just want to take my place. Right. It's not really about what it's really about because they're not doing the work on the ground. They do the work on the Internet. Um, you know, I, I think that there's been something um, valuable in the Internet and be people being able to use their voice on the Internet to correct some wrongs, to stop 
um, some people from making money um, that are benefiting off of the ills of others, which I think works. But I also think that there are a group of people that are angry and jealous and hateful and mean who are online. And uh, what, you're, what you are hearing uh, from them is their pain as opposed to them really caring about a cause. And you just have to be, be careful with that because um, I tweeted that today. A lot of the people who have ascended and have re are receiving some popularity from taking other people down will get taken down too because, you know, that which, that which feeds you you know, is it's what eventually takes you down. And I just think that um, as comedians, you know, there are some comedians who are out there um, and don't really care about anybody and they will say whatever they can to get a laugh. Then there are people who are intentionally, you know, if racism exists in everything in the world, why would it not, not exist in comedy, which is real. Um, but uh, comedians are supposed to say the stuff that's uncomfortable, right? They're supposed to push the envelope. That's the job, right? Because they're supposed to frame it in a joke so that we can unpack it. Because sometimes having that uncomfortable conversation doesn't work. But sometimes through comedy, you can actually really, really get into it and have a, a conversation that you wouldn't have um, had it not been framed that way. So I think that... Um, it's gotten out of hand. Every single person has a voice and, you know, they come for you in ways where like, sometimes I'll read some comments on my page and I'm like, oh, this dumbass person is just, you know, this person is just mad or they, they don't like me because of whatever. And this is, this has nothing to do with what they're talking about or they're being petty or they really want, um, they need some attention or they're trying to gain followers or they're just angry and they need to lash out because they want to get into it with somebody because they want to exercise that anger. And um, now I just ignore them. I delete their comments. You know, I let them write all the long after they're done with the whole long passage, I delete it so that it would just be, you know, uh, unnecessary work because I just think that, um, there are some of us who are really working hard to try to make a difference. Comedians are vulnerable. They, people know where they're performing. Everybody knows where you are. You're very easy to reach. We put ourselves on the line, you know, to talk about things that are very uncomfortable. Specifically in the last 12 years, we've been very vocal about political stuff. Comedians who never talked about politics are talking about it now, talking about Black Lives Matter, talking about what's happening with police because we, we cannot ignore what's happening in our world. And yet we're vulnerable, we get threats, people you know, heckle us. Um, and we're, we're so subject to so much that to get backlash from you because you feel today that you don't like what I said and how I said it, it's just another thing, another layer of bullshit to have to deal with. When we could just very well be off in a corner making jokes about this stuff and making our money and moving along. But no, many of us have said, no, nah, this is not okay. We gotta say something. So I'm gonna always stand by my comedians and respect the fact that we are using our job and our opportunities and losing work because some people don't want us talking about political stuff um, because we see that things are happening that are not okay. And we're using our voices to address that. And the only thing you should be saying to some of them is thank you.
Yeah, that's incredibly well said. I'm I'm so protective of comedy. I don't know why I'm not a comedian, <laughs> but I've just always felt like, especially like in these past few years, they're like the truth sayers of our communities. And there's so little truth um, that I just, I, I don't even know where we would go if we didn't have these people that are willing to tell it like it is. And I just feel like some people are professionally offended. Like they get offended for a living. Like that's their thing. They always have a, a reason, right? Um, so let me ask you, um, the last thing I want to ask you about in the English uh, interview is Truth Serum. So you're doing Truth Serum. You're interviewing different people. You're having all of these conversations um, about race, about politics, about society and what our country looks like. What do you hope to get out of Truth Serum and... What do you think the next four years are going to be like? Well, um, uh, what I plan, what I aim to get out of Truth Serum is what uh, Truth Serum started for, started for was to amplify the voices of the people who are on the ground doing the work that you never hear about because they're not influencers and they're not celebrities, but they're actually doing the work. Um, and I think that we've we've done an op a great job add that because we have created, um, we've shed the spotlight on some people who are out there really getting stuff done. And so that's always been what the goal is for Truth Serum. It's always been to create a, you know, a platform where you hear voices that you don't normally hear on mainstream media and on, on the big platforms because people don't see them as enough to, to give them a platform. But I think that those people have something imp important to say and are actually doing work and people should know who they are. Uh, the next four years are going to be um, very similar to the last four years, but we just won't have a president that is, um, you know, blurting all the shit out that Donald Trump was <laughs> for Donald Trump is that it's not so much political because you know Donald Trump made it explicitly clear that he was only the president of the people who followed him you know he wasn't the president of everyone in the country regardless of how they felt about him or if they voted for him he was clearly just the president of the people who follow him which I think is a problem because regardless of what you where you are politically, when you're the president of the United States, you're the president of all Americans, and that's not what he did. Um, so um, I think that uh, it's going to take some time to heal a lot of the things that Donald Trump's uh, administration and his era brought upon us. But I think it was necessary because it aired out the dirty laundry that has always been there, that we knew was there, and we never had an opportunity to really talk about because people were denying it. And, um, you know, I think that the next four years, um, is, it, unless this toxic capitalism, this corrupt politics, these, um, you know, negotiables that uh, are in Washington disappear, nothing's gonna, not much is going to change because those systemic ills that have been there for generations are still there and this democratic party um, though is the lesser of two evils is very problematic unto itself. It's been very negotiable, very corrupt, also spineless and, um, you know, and downright ugly. 
Um, so I think that the next four years is just recovery from the ICU. And then, you know, we got to keep pushing forward towards progress. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so true. It's, it's not so much that Trump did anything so different from the ones before him. It's just that he didn't lie about it. He was just totally upfront about it. And I think that's why so many Republicans freaked out because they're like, no shit, don't tell them. Like, we're not supposed to let them know that we're fucking them over. Like, so it was just that, that thing of, oh, he doesn't have the decorum. Um, but they didn't really have any substantial, you know, disagreements with his policy. So our well, policy, I mean, he's just, he was a terrible politician and president. Like it, it wasn't because I don't like him or I, I, I hate him because he's white or he's this, he just wasn't a good politician. He wasn't good. Um, he doesn't have poker face. He's too emotional. He has these meltdowns. His EQ was low. He doesn't know how to conduct himself diplomatically with, you know, foreign, for, foreign powers that be. Um, you know, he just blurted out stuff. He was only speaking to, he was preaching to his choir and that was the people who he felt, you know, were, wanted to hear racist language and sexist language and people who he felt were the lower thirds that he could appeal to because that's what he is. Um, but he's just not, he wasn't good. He wasn't a good politician. Like even the most corrupt of them are good politicians, but he just isn't a, a good at that. And that's why those people appeal to him. He appeals to those people because they can identify with him because he does operate as someone who is, you know, lower thirds thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I'm kind of scared to see what the Republican party is going to run in 2024. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of scared because after it feels like anything goes after this. Um, this point, yeah. Yeah, go. absolutely. So yeah, I, I think that's spot on. Ida, uh, do you want to tell people where they can find you and Truth Serum online? You can find me at Funny Ida, A-I-D-A on Instagram. If you go to the link in my bio, the, the, all the links for Truth Serum come up, but Truth Serum airs live on Fridays at 12 p.m. Pacific time here on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and in, um, Facebook. Um, and um, I'm on Twitter at Funny Ida, A-I-D-A as well. All right. Thank you, Ida. All right, everybody. We are going to switch over to our Spanish interview now. Thank you so much for joining us for the English part. Um, so let's just get right into it. Uh, bienvenidos a todos. Este es el show de Inelis. Y aquí tenemos a una de mis personas favoritas. Ella es una comediante, es una contribuidora de TYT y tiene un programa nuevo que se llama Truth Serum. Con nosotros hoy, Ida Rodríguez. Ida, muchas gracias por estar aquí. Ah, gracias por tenerme. Sí, cómo no. Eh, primero que nada, feliz eh, Navidad, Thanksgiving, lo que sea que tu familia celebre. Feliz <ríe> celebración. Esperamos todo, porque todavía estamos vivos. <ríe> Exactamente. A ver si llegamos al próximo año. <ríe> Esperando, vamos a ver. Bueno, Aida, eh, muchas gracias por estar aquí. Yo sé que con todos los holidays es, es difícil el tiempo. Um, déjame preguntarte primero sobre tu programa Truth Serum. Uh, es un programa donde tú eh, traes a diferentes personalidades, aunque sean conocidas o no, para hablar de cosas como eh, racismo, eh, política y cómo, cómo funciona nuestra sociedad en los Estados Unidos y las cosas que tenemos que cambiar. Y yo lo que quería preguntarte a ti primero que nada es, ¿cómo tú fuiste de comediante a tener un show político? ¿Cómo fue que pasó eso? Es que to, mi vida siempre ha sido política, 
mi mamá, mi mamá es puertorriqueña pero, y mi papá es, es dominicano, pero, pero mi padrastro es cubano. Así que desde, desde pequeña estamos hablando de la política del, del, comun, del comunismo. Eh, aquí lo que, los, los problemas de, de los Estados Unidos, las cosas que están pasando aquí en otras partes del mundo. Entonces yo desde pequeña siempre he hablado de estas cosas. Siempre he estado interesada en todos todo los aspectos de cómo funciona los Estados Unidos. Y, y desde chiquitica siempre estoy hablando de esto. Así que lo que, lo que hice fue hacerlo formal. <risa> hacerlo formal, pues ok, ahora sí voy a hacerlo. Y, y como tú, tú y yo nos conocimos brevemente cuando yo estaba trabajando en la campaña de Jen Huger. Um, y tú eh, estás en TYT muy, eh, muy a menudo, yo te veo. ¿Cómo fue que ustedes se conocieron y cómo fue que tú empezaste a, a, a estar en el programa? Entonces, yo estuve, eh, hice un show uh, en vivo en Washington, un show político, y ahí estaba Jenk y la familia de TYT me vieron y me invitaron al a, a show. Que, y, y desde la primera visita me estaban invitando. Me dijeron que querían que yo regresara. Um, sí, me vieron a, a hacer uh, unos chistes políticos y me encantaron. Y desde ese día nosotros somos amigos. Ya llevamos, llevamos como seis años ya. Wow. Yeah. Sí, y, y yo, yo miro mucho de tus videos en Instagram y en Twitter. Y, o sea, no te lo digo solo porque estás aquí, pero tú eres, tú eres cómica. A mí me da risa, porque, porque las cosas que tú dices, yo me pongo ahí y a veces yo le mando los videos a mi amiga y les digo, Oye, mira para esto, porque a mí una de las cosas que, que más me gusta de ti es que tú no tienes filtro, tú dices las cosas como son, aunque no sea confortable a lo mejor para alguien, pero a veces hay que tener esas conversaciones que, que no son confortables, y una de las cosas que estábamos hablando, porque también estábamos haciendo ahora nuestra entrevista en inglés, es esta cultura de cancelar, cancel culture, que yo tengo un, un lugar muy especial para los comediantes en mi corazón, porque para mí son como las personas que dicen lo que nadie más dice, que hablan verdad, que se, como tú dices, que se ponen um, alante del público y en realidad ellos arriesgan mucho, porque especialmente si estás hablando contra el gobierno, sí, ok, los Estados Unidos puedes hablar, expresión libre, no es como Cuba, pero de todos modos, si tienes suficiente atención a lo que estás diciendo, te puede causar problemas. Sí. Entonces, ¿qué piensas tú de, de esta cultura de cancelar a todo el mundo, de que si algo no me gusta o me insulta, nadie más lo puede ver? ¿Qué, qué tú piensas de eso? Bueno, yo no le pongo mucho asunto porque yo sí no tengo pelo en la lengua, como decía mi <ríe> Y hay que decir algunas de las cosas, pero eh, en forma de chiste hacen las cosas más fáciles para hablar de ellas. Y entonces es importante uh, dejar a los comediantes que, que uh, tenemos que hablar de las cosas que nadie quiere, nadie más quiere hablar de estas cosas. Y de verdad que te digo que yo antes me ponía, me, me molestaba, pero lo, me ha dado de cuenta que hay mucha gente que son envidiosos y son gente que son odiosos, que de verdad no le importa lo que uno esté hablando, solamente quieren eh, quitar, quitar de tú para ponerme yo. Entonces yo me ha decidido hacer mis chistes y hablar de las cosas que quiero hablar porque yo sé de, de dónde vienen esas cosas. Yo no vengo con malicia, ni con odio, ni quiero 
maltratar a nadie con mis palabras. Yo hablo lo que hablo porque hablo lo que sé. Y, y de verdad que ya eso ya no está jugando como antes. Ya la gente está cansada. Hasta la pura gente se está cansando de, de esta gente que siempre están llorando y criticando. Sí de que, de que le, le, que están doloridos, porque todos nosotros tenemos problemas, todo el mundo tiene sus traumas, y si no vamos a hablar de las cosas, porque todo el mundo va a estar traumatizado, nunca vamos a llegar a un sitio que, poder, que vamos a, a, a buscar soluciones para los problemas, vamos a, vamos a estar hablando con miedo para siempre. La gente que habla con malicia, que son odiosos, eh, eh, siempre se, se vencen. Esa gente siempre se vencen y, y, y salimos de ellos. Así que los comediantes que no, ahora en estos momentos no estamos haciendo dinero, no, no siempre no estamos, todo el mundo sabe dónde nosotros estamos, no, eh, nos, nos mandan, nos amenazan, siempre estamos en el medio de tanta mierda que yo no voy a dejar que los come mierda del internet me manden a mí ni lo, de lo que voy a decir porque tengan un trauma, porque si tú tienes un trauma, yo tengo 10. Así que yo no voy a dejar que nadie me mande en eso, porque de verdad que nosotros nos ponemos a, a, a ponerle asunto a eso y más nunca vamos a hacer nada. No, es verdad. Y mira, es una cosa que ya yo no lo aguanto, porque eso originalmente, eso empezó con una idea completamente diferente. Era sobre personas que de verdad lo merecían, pero ahora cada cinco minutos alguien le cae algo mal y ¡ay, no puedes escuchar a fulanito! ¡No puedes escuchar a menganito! ¡Porque es un monstruo! Y ya es demasiado. Ya se, se ha convertido en una burla de lo que era originalmente. Y no, lo que yo estoy diciendo es que hay personas que quieren estar ofendidas profesionalmente. Y, y si tú vas a estar ofendido, oféndete por las cosas, los, los sistemas que están en sitio, que nos tienen abajo a todos. Porque a mí me vienen a decir mierda algunas veces, de, pero ¿por qué tú no le directas ese, ese odio y eso, e, esas quejas a lo, al gobierno, a las compañías, a, todas, los, a todas las organizaciones que nos tienen a nosotros abajo? Así que por eso es que yo no le hago caso, porque muchas veces eso solamente es a una persona, no es al sistema de, lo, de que es el problema de verdad. Sí, y eso es un muy buen punto que... Tú tan insultado, ¿por qué? No te insulta que haya gente en la calle, que no tenga dónde vivir, no te insulta que haya gente sin comida, que no. dices que eres capitalista, pero estás ok con que le den socialismo a las corporaciones y le den todo el dinero. Eso no es el capitalismo. Entonces esa es otra cosa que yo veo, que la gente no entiende las palabras que estamos usando. No, ¿No entienden. No. <ríe> es increíble, pero bueno. Hablando de, de cosas así, otra cosa que yo quería mencionar es que tú has hablado mucho de Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. Las vidas negras importan, ¿verdad? Y una cosa que tenemos que reconocer como latinos es que esto nos afecta a nosotros también. No es una situación que podemos decir, ah, bueno, ese no es el problema mío, ese es el problema de fulano, me engano, pero a mí no me afecta. No, porque sí nos afecta a nosotros. Y lo que ha pasado es que el gobierno mira a un grupo de personas y les dice, todos tus problemas son por culpa de este otro grupo. Uh -huh. En vez de decirnos la verdad que es que todos nuestros problemas son, pues el gobierno es corrupto, nos roba los impuestos, trabaja para los billonarios y las corporaciones en vez de nosotros. Yo estaba contando que un amigo mío recibió una carta de la ciudad que dice, oye, no tomes el agua, tienes que hervirla primero porque si no te puedes enfermar. Entonces, 
lo primero que yo pensé en ese momento es, ¿a dónde van nuestros impuestos? Porque ¿cómo es posible que podamos tener el, el militar más grande del mundo, pero ni siquiera le podemos dar agua limpia a nuestros ciudadanos? Entonces, ¿qué tú piensas de eso? Bueno, primero, eh, las la, la vidas negras importan porque hasta, hasta con los latinos hay vidas negras. En Cuba hay negro, en Puerto Rico hay negro, en Santo Domingo hay negro, en Panamá hay negro, en Colombia hay negro, en Argentina hay negro, en México hay negro. Así que las negras, las vidas negras importan también para los, los latinos. Cuando nosotros decimos que eso no es un problema de nosotros, estamos borrando a, lo, a la gente, a los negros latinos de, que, que son de nuestra familia latina. Um, o latinex, porque a mí no me molesta decir latinex, aquí muchos latinos se ponen, se prenden, pero yo... <risa> ¡No me llames! No. Yo no me meto en los problemas de otra gente y, y la felicidad de los otros, yo no tengo problemas con los gays, ni los transgenders, ni los non-binary. Si ellos necesitan que nosotros le, le, le digamos latinex, a mí eso a mí no me, va a molest no me molesta, porque yo no soy ni ignorante ni odiosa. Pero... Eh, es verdad, nosotros tenemos un problema en este gobierno, nos, nos dicen mentiras, a la gente ignorante le dicen, los lo, lo manejan con miedo, le dicen que estamos tratando de convertir a los Estados Unidos en Cuba y en Venezuela y eso pone a mucha gente nerviosa porque hay mucha gente que han sufrido en las manos de, de esos políticos you know, horribles y esa, ese comunista, el, el comunismo que es, es bien tóxico. Entonces, aquí estamos gente que, que el socialismo que existe en los Estados Unidos solamente beneficia a, a los políticos y a la gente que tiene el dinero. Entonces, tú trabajas y pagas tus impuestos y tus senators y tus congressmen pueden mandar a sus hijos a las mejores escuelas, tienen el mejor seguro y tú estás sufriendo buscando Medicaid muerto de hambre. Pero el socialismo no, no, no funciona en los Estados Unidos. Le han metido tremenda mentira a los, a los latinos en este país y nos, y nos manejan con miedo. Y entonces hay que hablar de estas cosas porque de verdad que hay mucha gente que están trabajando, que no tienen tiempo para estar aprendiendo, que no pueden ir a la escuela ahora y que no saben, que son ignorantes. Y entonces ellos se aprovechan de eso y aquí estamos. Así que es importante para nosotros usar nuestras voces para hablar de lo que, lo que es, porque lo que, lo que nos están dando y diciendo no es lo que es. Y, y eso es el problema más grande que estamos teniendo en este país, porque aquí todo el mundo se cree que sabe todo y mucha de la gente no sabe nada. No, es verdad. Y, y lo que tú estabas diciendo de que dos cosas pueden ser verdad a la misma vez, Exactamente así es como yo explico Cuba, porque la gente no entiende, o van para un extremo o van para el otro. Entonces hay que entender, por ejemplo, en Cuba, lo que hizo a Fidel un dictador no fue que sacó a Batista de poder, Batista necesitaba salir. Lo que hizo a Fidel un dictador no fue, no, no fue los programas socialistas, dar educación gratis, no. Lo que lo hizo a un dictador fue cuando él quitó la libertad de expresión, cuando no hubo eh, eh, elecciones libres, y cuando él estuvo en poder por 60 años casi, porque no se puede ni siquiera hablar más del gobierno en Cuba porque te desaparecen, te meten en la cara. Eso es lo que hace una persona un dictador. A la misma vez podemos reconocer que Cuba tiene un sistema médico súper su, bueno, que Cuba tiene tremenda educación, porque yo te puedo decir a ti que yo solo fui a primer grado en Cuba y yo sé cómo leer, escribir y hablar español, 
y me estaban enseñando matemática en primer grado, que aquí yo no aprendí hasta cuarto, quinto grado. O sea, una sí. cosa que no, no tiene sentido. Es verdad. Entonces, podemos aceptar las dos cosas a la misma vez. Dos cosas pueden ser verdad a la misma vez. Tomar lo bueno y aprender de lo malo. Por eso cuando a mí me preguntan, tú eres capitalista, tú eres esto, tú, lo... ¿Tú sabes lo que yo he empezado a decir. Yo creo en una economía mixta. Sí, porque eso es lo que... que tienen todos los países en Europa. Que, o sea, aquí tenemos también, porque aquí hay socialismo, pero solamente para los lo que están en el, en el top 1%, porque aquí el socialismo sí existe. Y entonces nosotros somos uno, eh, eh, no, estamos hablando como que esta democracia es una democracia pura y no es, es una, our economy is for sure a mixed economy. Sí. And, y cuando la gente, es que, es que la gente no sabe, no saben solamente hablan lo que oyen en Primer Impacto, Fox News. Primer Impacto, hace rato que no miro eso. Sí, es verdad. No, verdad. Lo que están diciendo ahí es pura mierda. Entonces, sí. porque esas son las, las compañías que le están diciendo a la gente, esto es la noticia que tiene que darle a, a, esta, a esta gente. Y está bien feo lo que está pasando ahora. Está pasando. Además, se ve que la gente no entiende, porque ya, como tú dices, no solo para los ricos, tenemos programas socialistas en nuestras comunidades, como la policía, sí. <ríe> los bomberos. Tú te imaginas, si tu casa está en fuego y cuando el bombero llega me dice, espera, tú tienes aseguranza, porque si no, no podemos. Eso se, tu casa se, se te quema. El, el militar, que tanto nos gusta nuestro, nuestro militar, es un programa socialista, las escuelas públicas, los entonces, que se ubique, porque el problema es tanta, es tanta mala información, y por eso yo pienso que es tan importante tener programas así independientes, como sí. Truth Serum, como el mío, porque uno no puede ni siquiera creer lo que las noticias le está diciendo ya, porque... Cuando tú te das cuenta que las noticias, los dueños de las noticias son los millonarios que están corriendo el país entero, eso te cambia la perspectiva entera. Porque sí. te das cuenta que todo es un juego, todo es un juego. Sí, 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 sí. Oh, sí. Bueno, déjame preguntarte eh, sobre tu show, Truth Serum. Uh -huh. eh, ¿Cuál es tu meta con tu programa? Y también quiero preguntarte cómo tú piensas que van a salir los próximos cuatro años. Bueno, True Serum es un, un show que yo quiero usar para darle, a usar mi plataforma para darle luz a gente que están trabajando para nosotros, que nadie le da eh, la oportunidad de hablar en, la, en las plataformas grandes como eh, eh, la, los, los shows de cable, las noticias que tenemos ahora que son, eh, es un relajo. Y quiero a ver si podemos hacer, uh, uh, nosotros tenemos muchos programas, muchas cosas que estamos haciendo eh, por Truth Serum para hacer las comunidades de gente latina y negros, los negros americanos mejor en este mundo, Traba, programas de economía, programas de, para, pro, estamos, yo estoy tra, trabajando con psicólogos que le está dando uh, terapia gratis a la gente que no pueden. Wow. Sí, tenemos muchos programas que estamos, um, que tenemos ahí en Truth Serum. Y te digo que los cuatro años que vienen no veo muchos cambios. Lo que veo es que el niño que está en la Casa Blanca va para penitencia. Y vamos a tener que de verdad trabajar contra las cosas que hemos visto en estos cuatro años en estos 12 años, bien feo, de este país de racismo um, y de ese cap, uh, el toxic capitalism, eh, eh, me trago algunas veces porque me pongo, 
me, me pongo bien brava. <risa> Pero eh, yo no veo mucho cambio. Lo que veo es, uh, vamos a tener que hacer mucho trabajo trabajan mucho para llegar a algo mejor, porque lo que está pasando en este año, en este país por años, eh, estamos ahora aquí porque se puso tan feo que esto está, esto, esto, esto ya va por años, nada, esto no empezó con Donald Trump y estas compañías mandando el país y nosotros aquí eh, pasando trabajo, la gente muerto de hambre, sin, sin, sin los hogares para vivir, y tenemos que ser honestos de lo que está pasando en este país. Y hay, hay cinco, como 10 gente que viven una vida que los nietos y los bisnietos nunca van a tener problemas, y nosotros aquí, que estamos aquí hoy, estamos pasando trabajo. Así que mucho cambio tiene que venir para este país, para nosotros prosperar como un país, no solamente los ricos que están arriba. Y es verdad, y mira, eso me está afectando a mí personalmente. Mi mamá tiene que vender su casa de casi 20 años porque ya no puede pagarla. Y no sabemos dónde vamos a terminar. Yo estoy en desempleo y me están dando 150 a la semana. Mm. Y eso termina diciembre 26. Mm. Entonces yo sé que esto afecta a la gente porque me está afectando a mí. Si me está afectando a mí, ¿cuántos otros millones de americanos? Tuviste ese video. Era línea de miles de carros esperando para comida. Eso es, oye, en, eso es Cuba. En Cuba tú te pones en línea para tu comida. Eso, y eso es aquí en los Estados Unidos. Entonces, algo tiene que cambiar. Y es, es, nosotros tenemos que cambiarlo porque ellos no lo van a cambiar. No, tiene que ser la gente. Tiene Exacto. gente. Bueno, Aida. Un placer tenerte aquí, ojalá que vuelvas pronto de nuevo, a mí me encanta tener mis entrevistas en español porque, o sea, no las tengo tan a menudo como las de inglés, ¿verdad? <ríe> Pero eh, le quieres decir a la gente dónde pueden encontrar el show, dónde te pueden encontrar a ti. Sí, aquí estoy en YouTube, los viernes a las 12 pm, eh, eh, tiempo pacífico. Uh, estoy en uh, Twitch, Twitter y Facebook. Um, y en Instagram y en Twitter estoy en Funny Aida, A-I-D-A, y ahí me encuentran. Perfecto. Yo voy a poner todos los links también. Bueno, Aida, no voy a tomar más de tu tiempo. Dale, disfruta con la familia. Muchas gracias por venir hoy y fue un absoluto placer tenerte. Muchas gracias por todo. No, gracias a ti, mi amor. Y 